What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Swamp and Stomp podcast. Um, if this is your first time tuning in, make sure that you hit that little follow button or subscribe or whatever they're calling it on the app that you're using. Today, I've got Danny here and Austin Pope. And Austin Pope is a North Florida hunter that runs a YouTube channel called Dream Team TV. And uh, he's been doing this for a while. I've been watching his channel quietly for quite a while, and he does a really awesome job. But the real reason we wanted to have him on is because he's got some information about the uh, sandbar hunt on St. Vincent Island. So today we're gonna be diving into that, getting all the information that he can offer us. Uh, but before we get into it, just want to make a couple of quick announcements. The first being that we have a couple of events coming up in the next few weeks. So hopefully you guys can join us at those. First up on July 15th at the Riverbend Park in Jupiter, we are doing our scouting workshop together with backcountry hunters and anglers. Um, you can find all the details for that on our Facebook page um, on, in the events section. And you'll find a link down in the description. Um, if you want to get all the details on that, make sure that you RSVP. Um, after the workshop, we will be having a, uh, a party, a get together. Um, there's going to be lots of wild game food there. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody can just hang out and uh, talk about what they're excited about for this coming season. It's, uh, it's always a fun time. So hopefully we'll see you at that one. And then the other event that we're doing. Another one we're really excited about, this is going to be the second time doing the Saddle Hunter 3D Archery Tournament and Workshop. Um, for this event, we basically get every company that you can think of that makes saddle gear to send in a bunch of saddle gear, um, all the newest stuff on the market, and uh, we set it up for demo. You guys can try all the gear out. Uh, we can teach you how we do things. Uh, you can ask all your questions. Um, and then at the end of it, we'll, we'll actually be raffling most of that gear off. Uh, so you can win um, all kinds of stuff. I and mean, we literally have thousands of dollars of gear that we're gonna be raffling off. Um, and then simultaneous to that workshop, there's actually gonna be an archery tournament, uh, but this tournament is gonna be shot from the saddle. Now, I don't want you to get too hung up on that word tournament because it's, it's really more about getting you into the saddle, elevated, and shooting at a, um, a 3D target so that you can sort of simulate what you would be doing if you were on an actual hunt. And we're going to be forcing people to get into some weird positions in their saddles, taking some of those shots that you can really only take from a saddle that you wouldn't be able to do from a tree stand. Um, so this is all about learning. It's all about experience. And it just so happens that if you do it well, you can win a few things at the end of the tournament. So again, come join us for that one. It's going to be on July 22nd, so the week after the scouting workshop. And again, all the details are on our Facebook page. So just go there, see everything, RSVP, and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys there. Now let's get into this podcast and talk about some sandbar deer. We're, um, you know, uh, just kind of like you, just uh, doing this because we love it. And um, That's right, man. So you get, you get the raw, you get everything raw with us. Yeah, that's so the I, a lot of people like it. I didn't introduce introduce myself yet. I'm Danny, by the way. Nice to meet you, Danny. Yeah, Austin. And I'm Mark. I, we've never talked before. I think we've messaged a couple times. Yeah, we messaged so. a few times. Yeah. yeah. So um, this is from our spots and stuff. Yeah. All right, we are already <laughs> recording. Um, okay. <laughs> I like to just hit record right from the beginning because usually these intros are kind of 
you know, they're just more organic this way. Um, yeah, but anyway, let me just do a, a quick little intro here, and then um, we're just going to see where this conversation takes us. I got so, you. Uh, for those of you listening, welcome back to the Swamp and Stomp podcast. I've got Danny here today, finally. He's done with building his buggy. And uh, we got a special guest today. We got Austin Pope. And you might know him from uh, the Dream Team TV YouTube channel. Um, so you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got into hunting, um, you know, how you started the YouTube channel and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man. So like you said, Austin Pope, Dream Team TV. I grew up hunting for the most part, started when I was about five years old, going hunting with my dad, kind of like a lot of people, you know, hunting with a family member for the most part. And of course, nowadays you're hearing a lot of folk that are just starting out as grown adults starting the first time but got into hunting about five years old just shooting squirrels had some family land in georgia and we used to live down in south florida well i call it south florida to me near tampa and i was probably not near south as y'all it's like but three hours me, north yeah yeah for me that was pretty south though but we up in north florida now but anyhow uh, when we moved up here you know growing up and whatnot moved up here when i was about 12 years old and so when i got enough, old enough to get my license i said hey i can actually take myself hunting now so we had a wide variety of public lands all around us so i just started riding around checking everything out and just getting more and more into it like that and getting to hunt more public lands here in florida more so than just hunting private and we just took it from there and i think i was about maybe 19 maybe 20 when i said i wanted to start my youtube channel something like that and uh just bought me the fanciest camera I could afford and started filming and see where I'm at now. Yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll admit that I, I was watching your videos before Swamp and Stomp even started. Oh, really? Before I even met him. Um, oh, wow. I got you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of the reason that I wanted, well, I think both of us kind of had different reasons for why we wanted to start our YouTube channel, but at the end of the day, we both wanted to start one and, and it just worked out. But for me, I was one of those people you were talking about that started late. Like this is my seventh year hunting now. Um, I just didn't have the opportunity when I was younger. And so I was looking for stuff on YouTube and not finding anything except for your channel. And one thing I liked about it was watching your channel kind of gave me hope. I was like, okay, people are being successful out there on, on public land. But one thing that I felt was missing that I think you do more of now is a little bit more of that, like how to, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. a little bit more informative, which, you know, I think here in Florida is so important because it's so different from everything else that's out there. You know, you can watch the hunting public and stuff, but you're not really going right. to get the right information. And so right. once I started right. figuring it out, I was like, I want to put that stuff out there so that it's available for people like me that are starting late. Right, um, right. But yeah, I, I remember watching one of your videos where you, you like, you shot a buck with your muzzleloader and, and I was like, holy crap, that's so cool. Like this is back <laughs> when I, I had never killed anything before, so. Um, yeah, I got really you, exciting. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. So um, anyway, those of you listening, go check out his channel. It's pretty awesome. It's so, the only dream team holding a big buck in it. <clears throat> yeah there's there was like three other dream teams when i started mine and they like just had this the lettering like the d for their channel on the uh -huh. um, thumbnail or whatever you want to call it and i said i need to put something that stands out and of course now that my channel's grown how it has i'm the very first one that always pops up yeah well i think just searching for florida public land content there's only a few channels that are going to pop up anyway so yeah, there's not a whole lot of us that consistently make videos yeah, yeah. 
So, um, so one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the podcast is because we're super excited that we finally drew the uh, the sandbar hunt. Congratulations! Yeah. So have that's you, a hard one to get. Have you hunted it <laughs> twice? I got to hunt it twice. That's right. Like yep. Two years in a row, right? Yep. Can't tell you my secrets, but I just got it, man. And it's not because I know people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we see it happen every year, though. I yeah. Mean, I, got always... I got a buddy that's going this year. He shot one there last year. Yeah. So. Well, I think last year it was like because there was storms. There was like storms around and stuff. A lot of people got their points back. Mm, um, I got you. But, uh, but anyway, you've been successful out there once or twice? Once. One once. time. Yep. So we're One gonna, out of the two. We're going to dive into the sandbar stuff in a little bit, but before we get into that, I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about whitetail um, because, you know, we're down here in South Florida and we mean South, you know, real, real South. Um, and, you know, we were, we were just kind of texting a little bit earlier today and it's just such a different world. So we're, we're able to show people what we're looking for down here, but we only get up to your neck of the woods a handful of times, you like, once a year maybe if we're lucky um so i was just kind of curious like this time of year what are you looking for up there when you start scouting so right now for me well let me ask you this what kind of wood do you have around y'all what, what's your terrain it's it's mostly palmettos and pines and then um you know there'll be a couple like oak hammocks with some palms and stuff mixed in but um, yeah, it depends where you're at. You know, there's there are some management areas that we hunt that are mostly palmetto flats, and like down in those palmetto flats, in between you'll have um, shrub oaks and such, and mm -hmm. then you have pretty thick oak areas. So I mean, we get a little bit of uh, everything. One of our most favorite hunting spots here near home um, is mostly cypress and pines, and then you'll have palmetto flats in between. Yeah, I got you. So kind of like what. A good bit of Florida is. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Florida for the most part is pretty much the same for a lot of. Yeah, a lot well, of I it. think you know, the, up there in the Panhandle, it gets really different. Um, where you yeah. have those hills and stuff, it gets yeah, like creek how, bottoms and such. How far north are you? Are you up in the Panhandle? Like, what area are you in? So I don't want I don't say exact because some people can get an idea for certain yeah. places. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I am on the Georgia line. Okay, okay. so you're up there. Yeah, yeah. So we've done a little bit of hunting up there, and, and like you were saying, I think the big difference. Like you have a lot of the same plant communities but the big mm -hmm. difference is you have like little ridges like little hills elevation and stuff yeah. we right. don't get that down here yeah, elevation differences are like inches you know you you go <laughs> yeah. you get like six inches of elevation and you have a completely different habitat than if it was six inches lower right um, right so, so that's the biggest difference yeah yeah you got a five five inch elevation and that's your ridge over there oh yeah yeah, yeah and it, it's funny because it'll it'll make it'll funnel the deer in a similar way i think to yeah. the way that you know 10 or 30 feet will do it over there 100 yeah. um but i think for a lot of people it's really hard to wrap their head around that you know like i think a lot of the the theory that um that like the hunting public applies still applies down here but it just mm -hmm. looks different so people yeah. go out here and they're looking for oak hammocks with acorns and stuff and it's like that's not really how it works around here like our acorns right. drop for maybe a few weeks out of the year uh so it's not something that you're that they're keying in on for a long time you know right right for sure yeah well me right now and in, in regards to the scouting period of right now i actually haven't gone out too much here lately i did get successful on my number one pick for archery quota this year and that so for was that don't tell me don't tell me. yeah right we, we don't we don't name places <laughs> 
Yeah, no, definitely not. Definitely not. I charge way too much for dropping those names. Um, <laughs> but that management area I got drawn for actually went out there a couple of weeks ago, hunted it before. So I kind of already have a lay of the land for the most part. It's really small, what I consider small, and uh, gets hit pretty decently for what it is even being a quota. But I said, you know what, this year I want to find that sweet spot for this place because I've killed deer out there. I've seen deer out there, seen some real good deer out there. Uh, matter of fact, one of my videos, I believe it's called uh, Florida Public Land Third Times the Charm. And it was a buck I actually had to shoot three daggum times. First shot was my fault bad. I don't know how he lived for the other two shots like he did. But anyhow, that video was there and seen some great deer, killed deer there. But I just felt like I wasn't on the X quite like I want it to be. Mm -hmm. And if you watch my videos, like you say, you know, I really love the furthest places and the deepest, nastiest places you can get, which we all say, oh, yeah, that's where it's at. But when you've really gone into those places, like really a true nasty, thick swamp, like I talk about, you will understand how much more deer activity you'll have in that when the pressure is applied. For instance, this permit I got is the very last archery hunt out of like seven that they have. So there's going to be some pretty good numbers in there before I even get get to hunt it. Do you take notes this place has seven archery hunts? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And whether I'm telling telling the accuracy on that or not is to be determined now. <laughs> but anyhow, it's the closest rut hunt that they offer for this place. So that's why I used it as my first, which helpful tip to the viewers there. Don't always focus just on the very first hunt a place has. I like to pick the closest to the rut is the one I'll try to put as my first choice, which often you'll get as your pick for your number one. But anyhow, so I looked over the map and in my mind, I was pin, pinning on my uh, hunt stand. I know Onyx is a good one, all those other ones. I just use hunt stand, not sponsored, just I like it. But anyhow, I put pins on every single place that I've seen people on every hunt that I've gone, where their trucks were at, boot prints that I found and stands that I've found. So I had a pretty good layout of, okay, this is where the heat map, so to speak, is at for these, the pressure on these deer. And I was looking, 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 and sure enough, like I say, the furthest, farthest part that you can find from a parking area or trails, foot trails, that's where the least amount of heat, so to speak, of pressure is applied. And it was just an edge of a big pine flat, probably real mature pine, you know, 30 plus year old pines, easy. And it was palmettas all throughout typical Florida, but it had these little small patches of uh, bayheads and cypress uh, swamps in and out, but they weren't no more than maybe five acres, each and every one of them. Then there was just one little stretch of a swamp head that maybe was 30 acres in total. It was the biggest one I could find and it butted up right to the edge of private. And on that private, there was a bunch of houses. And normally you would think, well, a bunch of houses right there on the edge, that's not really one big dogs barking, roosters crowing, people talking. I said, I'm gonna check it out. This is the furthest place away from people that I could find. I went in there, man, and it was a booger to get up into, man. It was just rough. I had to had to chop my way a little bit to get get in there, but I got in, and man, the amount of trails that were just funneling through that from where I used to hunt, the same area I used to hunt, following that swamp head down, just led into such the most beautiful thicket that you could imagine, with black gum trees out the yang in there, which deer love black gum. I don't know if y'all have black gum down there. I would I would imagine you have black gum. Trees. I wouldn't be able to identify unless I see it. I don't even know what black gum is. Yeah, I don't know by the name. Yeah, if you look in a uh, like a swamp head or something, mm -hmm. it'll kind of kind of resemble the bark. Will kind of resemble an oak tree. Not quite, but it's the closest thing in a swamp head that'll resemble uh, 
oak bark and it'll have little tiny fruits like just a little about the size of an acorn really and uh, they're green they'll fall when they're green then they turn like a blue and a purple hmm. i don't yeah, think that, we have those <laughs> i got you yeah yeah i wasn't sure if they were down there or not but uh the bear love them i know that much but the deer they'll also eat them really good too and i've killed a few deer hunting over a black gum tree because this particular area doesn't really have very many oaks for the most part and the oaks that are there are where all the people are at so that's why i'm fading out of that even though it looks good and you have the deer eating it you got to try to have that fine line of daytime activity where they're going to be versus the night of course yeah so but anyhow that's that spot is uh i'm looking forward to to hunting that this season because it's just it's going to be rough to get into but i have a feeling it's going to be phenomenal that's that's actually an interesting technique that you're doing there where you're actually marking people the trucks and their footsteps so that's that's pretty cool i never actually thought of uh, taking that kind of approach you know i do make a mental note where people are but yeah. you know other than mental notes, I don't go any further than that. So that's, that's pretty neat. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, man, man, scout people, just like you scout and deer scout people, especially on the weekends. I, I'm blessed to have my own business, so I don't hunt on the weekends, really. I mean, you know, I'll hunt opening day on a weekend, but for the most part, any days that I'm not working, I make a point to have it in the week, but I'll go on a weekend if I get off early or whatnot, and I'll actually just drive through the management area and pin all the places that have the most trucks and people pulled off to the side. Right. Yeah. So I do try to avoid people for the most part, but I honestly, I don't really go crazy and get super far into the mm -hmm. management area. Sometimes I'll hunt right behind the check station. You know? yeah, yeah. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can produce great. It yeah. really can. Yeah. It's not going to be, you know, well, always, I mean, but we, we yeah. preach this all the time. You know, I, I like that you have a systematic approach to it because there's a lot of people that are just like i gotta get further down this trail than anybody else and that's where i, ne I need to be yep. but i like that right. you're actually going okay well like it, you know there, there's somebody over here there's somebody over there there's people hunting here and then mm -hmm. finding that area where nobody's hunting it doesn't necessarily have to be as far down the trail as you can get that's right that's right um you know i think we, we kind of do something similar, but we're not really mapping it out. Like Danny said, you know, we, we're looking mm -hmm. for the overlooked spots. And what we find is a lot of times you don't have to go far to find them because a lot yeah. of people are trying to go far. And then there's people that hunt right next to the truck. And then there's like an area in between that sort of gets overlooked a lot. Yeah, we blow right past it. Yeah, yeah 100%, 100%. That's like uh, that, I can't remember the title of it, but my big 10 point I killed, not last year, but the year before up in Georgia, that was on a quota hunt. And it was a couple hundred people that were there, but man, it was one of those management areas that just had trails everywhere. Like there was nowheres that did not have a trail. Yeah. And so it was kind of hard to get away from people and that place allowed four wheelers and everything. So there's people riding four wheelers all down the trails. And I said, man, I just, this is crazy. There's flagging tape all over. I said, I've got to find the spot to get away. And there was this one swamp that I mapped it out on the, on the hunt stand. It was roughly about a thousand acres. And I said, I'm just going to go to the center of it. That's, there was no trails in there. There was no nothing. It was just a wilderness area. And I just started walking. I kept going, going. I got dead center in the middle of that thing. And two days or a day later, actually, that's where I killed my big uh, 10 point back in there because wow. everybody was set up on the edge. I love hunting edges for the most part, but not when everybody else is wrapped around the edge as well. Yeah. Well, that, that can be a bonus having a lot of people in the sense of if you can get in between, kind of like how y'all were saying, that sweet in between spot, and you have a lot of people walking around the woods they can push them to you just as good as anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said like, 
people make deer more predictable yeah. than, than if there wasn't people around. So if you know how to, if you know how to work the pressure, you can be pretty successful. Mm -hmm. how, That's right. How are you using your uh, game camera information? Are you breaking that stuff down and, and uh, making like a whole detailed view on that? Or are you just like using it as a check mark? Okay, this buck is still alive. This buck is still moving through this area and stuff like that. You know, that. man, for, for, for deer here the last couple of years, I know it's going to sound crazy, but I really haven't used trail cameras that much. I've set some out during the summer months. I haven't set any this year at all, yeah. but uh, I've set some in the summer months just to kind of get an idea of what's in the general location. Yeah. But I actually won't most of the time varying on habitat you know some instances i won't hunt where i actually are getting bucks during the summertime because i'm sure y'all had the they're experience not, they're not going to be there yeah. yeah you get you get a great buck on camera and velvet and then as soon as that velvet's gone poof, he's gone yeah, yeah. In, in an instance like that for uh as an example i had a spot a couple years ago i had this great buck coming through he was a nice nine pointer he i watched him grow from the time he was just a couple inches tall all the way to what he was and man it was almost every day that joker was crossing through and the, where i had the camera at it was a little uh short immature pines that were just you know every five feet from each other it was a little thicket but it was just a stretch maybe 50 yards wide and it went maybe half a mile long but on each side of those pines it was open so that was basically the only cover they had to get from one swamp to the other swamp so i was trying to catch him in between i had that buck almost every single day and as soon as he shed his velvet got one picture of him gone that was on but, his way out yeah, <laughs> yeah but there's a big, big swamp that was probably as big as the one I killed the big 10 point in. It was probably a couple thousand acres and just nasty. And I, I never hunted it. I wish I would have. I wish I could tell you the story on how I went to that swamp and ended up killing that buck. But I never hunted it, but I have a very strong feeling that's exactly where he went. And actually, this year, I do plan on hunting that swamp. So I, I did a podcast with somebody, um, I think it was like three up two or three episodes ago, and, and he's all about tracking down bucks using trail cameras and mm -hmm. we, we talked about this exact phenomenon and so he goes and looks for them during the summertime and then he expects that they're going to leave right and so when he finds them in their bachelor groups he'll start checking areas around it for old rubs to yep. get an idea of where they might end up and then when they rub out of velvet then he he goes about like trying to relocate them Mm -hmm. And he yep. says he usually ends up finding them anywhere from like half, half a mile to a mile away from where they're hanging out in their bachelor yep. groups. That's um, right. So, I mean, it's, I think a lot of people are thinking a couple hundred yards, you know, they're like, well, he used to be here, so he can't, he can't have gone that far, but I mean, they really, yeah. they Oh, really he can go move. that far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, you got to yeah. keep in mind, like what's one of the biggest drivers in that it's, it's the water, you know, the water yep. levels come up and, and everything mm -hmm. changes for them. And so places that might've been, you know, the only place you could find water during the summer, um, when, when hunting season comes around, water's no longer a limiting factor. So then they're going right. to start going to places where they can find everything else that they want, like cover and food. So. Right. Right. But, um, you know, just interesting point real quick. You mentioned about that one fella saying he looked for old rubs and stuff. Mm -hmm. That is one thing that I'm very strong on. I tell everybody, old sign is great sign, mm -hmm. especially if you're looking at a new place that you've never been before. Just don't try to find just the freshest trails and tracks you can find and scouting with cameras. Find the old sign first and guaranteed you're going to find them because if they were there the last rut, they're going to be there again this rut. Yep. 
Yeah, and if it ain't that one that made that rub, it's probably you know another yeah. one that's strong yeah. in that area. He's got friends. Exactly. Yeah, if there was a big buck that made that rub and that buck got killed, something's gonna take his place. If it was a if it was a good place for bucks to be, at some point it's still gonna be a good place for bucks to be unless Absolutely. it suddenly started getting a lot of pressure. I think. So. Yeah. Um, but anyway. I'm trying to think if we're going to be up in, in that direction. Any, well, actually, we're coming up this weekend to go to go look for sandbar. But I was thinking about uh, deer. Oh, nice. nice. I actually did get a, a quota up in your neck of the woods, but it's not until, uh, like, December, maybe even January. But, I got uh, you. So we might be up there. I might be applying some of this stuff then. Yeah, hopefully we can get the uh, sandbar white, white tail. Have you done that, Hunt? The St. Vincent Saint white Vincent. tail? Whitetail? No. Oh, the white. No, I haven't done the whitetail. Yeah, we figured we're going to do that to at least get boots on the ground, scout it a little bit. We're going to go scout this weekend, and then hopefully, if we can get that hunt, you know, spend some time in the tree, and yeah, yeah, for sure, using this yeah, yeah. If we kill a whitetail, great. <laughs> but if that'll yeah, still be pretty good. epic, shooting yeah. a whitetail on the island. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. So so let's get into the sandbar because i mean that's what i'm that's what we're most excited about like we haven't even really talked about whitetails that much like we've all we've been talking about is the sandbar yeah, man. yeah. It's making called, plans it's i don't know so, man that, that, that whitetail information you just talked about now it got me excited yeah i know <laughs> yeah every time i do a podcast like i'm getting more and more pumped just talking to people about about hunting but um but yeah so just for the listeners um that are like what the hell is a sandbar deer um so <laughs> if you don't you say don't don't tell them no, no, I don't <laughs> never mind we're, actually this podcast canceled we're not going to give you any information <laughs> <laughs> no so florida has this like really unique opportunity and i i heard this story of like how this came to be from somebody i don't know how accurate it is um but so so take it with a grain of salt i don't know if this is actually what it is but St. Vincent Island apparently used to be like some private land where they had like a safari thing going on. There was like all kinds of crazy animals out there. And um, when it was turned into a national wildlife refuge, they tried to kill everything off, all the non-natives, but they couldn't get rid of the sandbar deer because Mm -hmm. they're super cryptic and just hard to track down. Um, And they're apparently swamp creatures and they're just hard to get to so the sandbar remain on this island and how big is the island it's like nine miles across nine ten miles ish yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't know well, i think it's like twelve thousand acres i think okay yeah it's pretty so so it's a it's a sizable island but it's not that big um right. and um so anyway these sandbar deer are on there and uh the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service was like, well, what the heck do we do with them? And they came with the idea to turn it into a, a public land hunt. It is completely free to apply. Um, and uh, if you get it, I think the hunt's, what, four days, three, four days? Yeah, it starts on the 15th. You start scouting on the 15th, and it you goes hunt up to the 16, 18th. 17, 18. Yeah. So it's, it's three full days of hunting. It's a yep. muzzleloader hunt, and... Um, Danny and I got it this year. We're super excited. And so that's why we want to talk with Austin because he's done it twice and he's actually been successful. So we're trying to get all the useful information out of him, not just for ourselves, but also for you guys. And it's kind of one of those like things like I've heard from people where they're like, oh, you don't even need to scout. They're always in the same area. Um, 
that might be the case, but I still feel like I need to get a lay of the land and, and figure out sort of, you know, what I'm dealing with. Um, yeah, I, I've actually been applying for this since I was a teenager. Yeah. And then I stopped applying because I was like, it's a mythical creature. They just have this up there on FWC because <laughs> it's fake. And then um, five years ago, we started applying again. And I didn't realize that you lose your points if you don't apply cool. for two consecutive years. Well, I lost one, them I think all. it's one. If you don't apply for one year, you're done. You lose them. No, it, it's two. It's, is it's it really? Two. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so I lost I them. I didn't apply this year. Don't scare me like that. Oh my <laughs> yeah, so then when this came around, I was like, this, this is pretty awesome. You know, we're going to, we're definitely going to give it all we got. You know, we're not just going to be like, we'll just mosey in there the day of the hunt. Yeah. <laughs> Pick a tree. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's literally what somebody told me to do. They're like, ah, they're always in the same place. Don't, don't even bother scouting. And I was like, yeah, as if that's going to happen. We've been waiting five years for this, you know? <laughs> right. Um, right. But, but anyway, so tell us, I guess just give us like a, a rundown of what we should expect with this hunt. Y'all never been there, right? Never been there. We're going, um, like I said, we're going this weekend yeah. to sort of get yeah. our lay of the land and figure it out. Yeah, like, I like got you. everything from, <laughs> I've heard from, you know, people like how it kind of goes out but what was your experience like as far as when you get there how is the whole process right yeah i laid it all out there for i actually got a video on how everything step by step for and, time and especially but, oh we need to watch that yeah. i especially yeah, want to yeah. know like if there was things that like surprised you yeah yeah so what surprised me is that i killed one <laughs> <laughs> but no the uh so let's from the beginning, you pull up to the boat ramp, you're gonna be waiting for a while, regardless of how early you get there. Just take my word for it, because it's gonna be, it's a small boat ramp, but it's not very, it's one boat and one one boat at a time is going in. And it's a line of people, but you get in, you drive across the island, there's two two camps. I'm sure y'all probably seen, you got like the yeah. west, west camp, east camp, whatnot. Uh, can't remember the names of them, but anyhow, you go to whichever side you want to. A lot of people tend to go to the furthest side because they tend to have the more sandbar killed there. Mm -hmm. I think that's more so just because it's getting more people on that side than the yeah. other side, but it could be because there really are more over there. But anyhow, you'll pull up to the uh, to the island, get as close as you can, of course, to where you don't island your boat. Pull all your stuff off. I would recommend highly that you get you some kind of a cart to pull your stuff into the camp because the camp is roughly varying on how far down the line of boats you are parked it's going to be probably every bit anywhere from 100 to 300 yards you're gonna to have to carry your stuff varying on how far down the line you are when you get there so a cart is very helpful and something i wish that i had when i went because that sand is not firm easy to go through sand and when you're carrying a cooler and a pack and just over and over and over again you can only carry so much thankfully y'all have two people i had myself so it was a little so, more difficult so we're actually we're we're going to be glamping on the other side of the channel so we the campground yeah the campground that's okay. right there at the boat ramp so we're going to be yeah. camping there and we're going to have our, okay. our boat just in the water, ready to rock and roll in the morning. Yeah, but that's good information for people that are actually going to camp yeah. on the island. Because if you think that you're just going to pull up to your camping spot and yeah. you have all this stuff, it can really ruin your weekend. Yeah. Bring yes. yourself out the first day that you get there. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's what I thought too. I didn't know it was as far away because I was probably 10 boats down both yeah. times that I pulled up there. And it, it took me a long time to get all my stuff up there. It was quite wore out afterwards. But anyhow, let's say you are just doing that. You're pulling up there, carrying your stuff up. 
you're going to get up into the uh, check area. They're going to have the check station. There will be somebody, you know, manning it for you. Uh, I think the check-in time's like no earlier than eight o'clock. I can't recall exactly. I want to say 8 a.m., but you'll get up there and there'll just be a whole area. There's no designated site, just kind of wherever you want in the midst, try to find the highest ground, of course, because there are some low areas that get pretty wet. A lot of snakes on the island, so definitely get you some kind of snake boots or something. I would definitely highly recommend. Uh, but you'll check in with the staff. They'll give you a flag and just write your initials on the flag. And they'll say to put this wherever you go off of the trail. So you're going down the trail and you say, I'm gonna go 300 yards in or whatever. Just put the flag right there where you parked your bike or where you walked. If you got a bike, I do recommend you bring a bike. If you have an e-bike, that's even better. They do allow those there, so that'd be good. But put your flag down, that lets everybody else know there's a hunter down yonder in there. Uh, the way I went about for scouting this, as I'm sure y'all read, they say they're swamp creatures. They just stay in the swamp the whole time and that's what they love. I killed mine, if you saw my video, I was up on a high high plain area. Yeah. And he was, you'll see when you get there, it's like these little, I don't know if they're like, you would call them dooms or yeah. what they are, but off the main trail, it's just little ups and downs. It goes, dips into like a little freshwater marsh and comes up, dips down, yeah. comes up, moves down. Well, I found mine walking the edge of this real, I, I call them scrub oaks. They're, they're little oak looking bushes that are no more than five, six feet tall. Uh, but he was walking that higher point going along the edge of the scrub oaks. And I found those tracks the first day I got there and I followed them all the way down and noticed it was just multiple sets going right along the edge, up and down, up and down. There's old rubs. Like we were saying, old sign, good sign. There's old sandbar rubs. And first time I went there, I didn't know what was gonna be the difference of a sandbar rub or just a white tail rub. I was worried about that. So anybody worrying about figuring it out, you will know as soon as you see what is a sandbar versus <laughs> a white tail. Same with the track. The track's gonna be about two to three times the size of a white tail deer track. But cool. I found all those fresh tracks there and I said, well, everybody else was where I originally wanted to be in the swamp. Said, so, so I'm just gonna sit here where the freshest sign is and the very First day I was there on my second trip, that's when I had mine come out within like, I think it was first 30 or 45 minutes. And in the video, you see him walking way 100 yards, 100 plus yards way down there, just came perfect, just like the track showed. He was walking that edge and just feeding along and had a shot him the first time, actually hit him just a little bit low and seen the uh, rapid acceleration of a reload that I did in that tree. I was it was impressive how quickly you did that. <laughs> Man, my heart was going through the roof. I was like, he's about to run. He's about to get into an area that there's another hunter I could see on the other side of the dune, a couple hundred yards back in. And uh, But thankfully, he just stood there and kind of just, he was hurting, but he didn't really know what had happened because obviously they only get hunted three days out of a year. And I was able to get that second shot, and he just fell over right there. In my opinion, not to brush my own shoulders, I think it's the best sandbar hunt on YouTube because it's pretty much the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but the, the, the first year I went there, I didn't really know what to look for other than, you know, sit in a swamp, but everybody was in the swamp. So I said, I'm just going to get to where I can see as far as I can see. And I ought to see one in three days. Well, that did not, did not happen at all. So, so, you, that, so you actually shot yours in the morning. Yep. The very, nice. on my second trip there, shot it in the morning. So you can only hunt till three o'clock yeah. on that hunt. So, but sit all day that don't pack your lunch, pack you whatever you got, sit all day. I mean, you only get three days to hunt this thing. So, so when you say sit all day, do you mean like, like just stay in your tree after three o'clock, but you just can't shoot? 
No, no, no. I mean, I mean for hunt hours. Like yeah. sit until like sit until three o'clock. Yeah. Sit until three o'clock. Yeah. After after hunting hours, are you allowed to go ahead and relocate and and set up for the next morning, or do you have to come yeah. back to the same spot? Yeah, and you can scout and however you want to do it as well. Oh, so you, you can keep, you stay on the island after three thirty. You just can't shoot anything. Um, three o'clock. Yeah. Moving yeah. around, scouting, and doing your thing. Right. Yeah. And I believe the stand hours are actually, yeah, they're till nine o'clock. So you have to stay till nine o'clock. But after nine o'clock, if you want to get down and try to spot and stalk, do that too. Because there are some areas in there you'll see in some swamps where it's real swampy overhead and you got a lot of water all around you, but the underbrush is not really there. So you can see, you know, 80, 100 yards in front. Yeah. There'll be some great areas just to do some walking if you didn't want to sit. But I mean, if you're on, if you're on fresh sign and man, I, I with a hunt like that, I would go by tracks and, you know, drop-ins and stuff like that. Because yeah. when I'm, when I'm whitetail hunting, I'm not so much going off of fresh deer tracks for a place I want to set up at. But on this particular hunt, Man, if you find fresh sandbar tracks, be there. Well, and especially because, uh, did you have a um, a doe tag, or I guess they're cow tags? Are they cows and bulls, or are they? I, I think they're stags and stags and cows. I think, yeah. or no, hinds. Hinds. It's called a hind. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. so, it's, yeah, so it's basically an elk. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's an either sex hunt. You can shoot. Matter of fact, it, you can shoot any sandbar if it was like so, a doe. I thought it was like. We were told that it's that not everybody gets to shoot either sex. That, was, that may have been for the whitetail hunt. Yeah, that's the white Robert, tail. Oh, Robert right. was telling us that it was doe. Tag. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, because so they'll give out they'll give out a certain number of doe tags for the whitetail hunt. Right. So, do. so then with that in mind, yeah, if you find fresh tracks, it's like, yeah, if it's yeah. if it's a sandbar, you can shoot it. It doesn't matter if it's a buck or or a doe. Right. Or yeah, and, and legal, legally, you could shoot. Uh, I don't know what they call fawns or whatever they are, but like you could shoot it a, a two day old baby legally if you want. Do it at your own discretion. But do they that's have how they, spots? How do you know if it's a baby? Man, I, I didn't see a baby, <laughs> so I don't know. One guy one guy did shoot one my first time there and that thing was like maybe ninety pounds. That's a nice easy carry out. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> like yeah. Lunch bag. But I seen probably... I was like, man, is that is that how big they get? I thought they were a lot bigger than that. And the staff member that said, No, that's that's a real baby there. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense there. He shot on still the had, still had milk on his lips. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. That well, makes it for an easy drag. I mean a seven hundred I mean, pound animal. Yeah, I mean, if you don't care, you know, what they, you know, what it is, I mean, absolutely more, more power to you. My stag weighed, uh, now granted it was gutted, but he did weigh 250 on the nose, gutted. So, so they four, estimated so about 400 pounds. Four yeah, that's what they, they estimated, about 400 that's a, pounds. That's a chunky deer. That's huge. Oh, man, I couldn't budge it. I, yeah. I was like doing the whole jerk trying to pull and I like moving an inch and I was like there's no way so I, I called the staff up I said hey I got one down here they said you got it to the road I said nope y'all gotta come down here and help me because there ain't no way I can get this so thankfully they were very helpful and they oh, got cool. three guys in there and helped me drag it out so nice they didn't, didn't bring a cart or anything is that somewhere that you could use a cart if you had one man I don't know if you get one on a cart that yeah. big there was a guy the, the first there was a guy the first year he actually cut his in half and he he pulled it out himself that literally <laughs> he cut that, it that's dead, awesome he pulled the camera names just throw yeah, them over his shoulder dead center in half or you know the, do the shoulder mount so he did dead center of the yeah. body cut it right in half and he pulled it out piece by piece and i mean hey it, it worked cool. he did it by himself he got, got it right it on out 
I mean, yeah. I should probably bring my frame pack. We can just quarter it out and carry it out. Yeah, I mean, you can do that. We got a bunch of rope. We can go ahead and uh, create like a pulley system in the yeah. tree. And <laughs> Put them in a saddle. <laughs> saddle something way too complicated. <laughs> so, okay, so you shoot them, and then and then you're supposed to get them to the road, right? Like that's yeah, that, and then they'll yeah, carry, they'll take it from there. Okay, but it's yeah, good, it's good to know. That. It's good to know if you can't get it to the road, they'll help you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so is there like a like a cleaning station on the island and stuff? Like what do you do like once yep. you get it out of there? Yep. So at the check station they'll have a, a hanger just like, you know, they would at some of the management areas in Florida. You know, they got the mm -hmm. triangle up there so you can hang it up. They'll take its weight, take its measurements and whatnot, and then just get to cleaning it like you would anything else. And whatever you don't want, they'll actually take and use it on the island for the red wolves. Okay. Huh. That's neat. Have you, have you, you seen get any red wolves? Yeah, I was gonna ask. You know what? Did you see any wolves? I did not. I didn't. I was only there for like four hours, so. <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's pretty cool. Any um, any tips like as far as any places nearby off the island that you can get ice for? In, you know, like. I'm trying to think. Have those ice banks yeah. kind of situations. Yeah. So I think the nearest town is called uh, the nearest one with ice machine is called like Panacea I think is how you say it okay. I think that's how you pronounce oh, it yeah. but there, isn't there a, uh, there's a WMA it's like uh, St. Mark's P Panacea unit that's a thing yeah that, that's a refuge hunt yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's, it's right around there's where I got my ice from because I wasn't sure if there was any other stations between where I was and there uh -huh. but I mean you know, there's like Dollar Generals like every 10 miles everywhere you go in Florida. Oh, cool. So, you know, you can, just, you can just get some ice from there if you got to. But yeah. I always, when I went, I did bring my ice with me. Like when I left the, or the mainland to go to the island for the hunt, I had two coolers slapped full of ice. Wow. I mean, I'm feeling, feeling pretty confident, huh? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, prepare for what's coming. But, I mean, if you shoot one, you don't have any ice at all. I mean, you're looking at hours, like a whole day virtually by the time you kill it to the time you're able to get everything back on the boat and get back to the mainland and get to ice. You know, you got you got a lot of hours there that you're yeah. going to be without. And if you're killing on the last day, you need to make sure you have enough ice from the first day to make it all the way through. But then again, you are staying on the mainland. So yeah. you're in a lot better predicament. We have we have like a theory when it comes to preparedness and it is that the least prepared you are, the more successful you'll be. So, um, yeah. We'll, so like y'all ain't even gonna hardly bring no weapons or nothing. Like yeah, like, <laughs> I got a yeah. spoon, a sharpened spoon. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's like you go into the woods and, and you're like, Nah, I'm not gonna bring my gun. I'm just going to pull out this tree stand real quick, and then there's a stud standing yeah, there. Yeah. You know? It happens every time. So yeah, I've had it. Yep. So we're like, yeah, we don't bring ice, um, and then we're gonna need ice. So yeah. I'd ra I'd rather be in the predicament where I need to figure out where to get ice than to not need it at all. Yep. So. Yep. And there is uh, just so everybody knows, make sure you got all your safety equipment and all your license in as needed because there are uh, refuge game wardens on the island that will stay there. And then when you come back to the mainland, there will be a game warden waiting for you there as well. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're checking people. Um, mm -hmm. Cool. Well, that's, that's definitely a lot of uh, good information. Um, when did you... Well, you were only there for about four hours, so you didn't even get down to scout around. You didn't even or get to sleep there, did you? <laughs> Just the one night, yeah. I mean, now, granted, I did have the first hunt that I was there for the whole, oh, whole three days. So. so, 
the actual once you once you get there, do you put the flag out where you're gonna go in on the scouting day? Yes. I imagine so. Is there a certain time yes. frame that they have for you to do that? So once check-in starts, which I believe is eight a.m. the day before the hunt, they'll give you your flag right there and send it. Just yep, send it on in and get scouting as soon as you get there. Cool. Now they do have the uh, safety meeting. I think it, I think it's at five p.m. the day before the hunt, okay. and they're just going to go over a big list that I can't remember, but it's a big list. It's probably about thirty or forty-five minutes long of a of a, a meeting, and then of course you got a Q and A afterwards. Which when I went to the first time, they had several questions, which made it take longer. And then the second time, nobody asked a single question, so we were done. Pretty cool. cool. Feel, yeah, it's pretty much all the rules that you see in the brochure is basically what they're going to go over for the most part. I feel pretty prepared. Yeah, I, have a, I know a guy that he actually shot one last year, so he gave me a lot of information as well. A lot of the, you know, the stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. And uh, yeah. um, the whole reason we ended up glamping instead of staying on the island because he, he was talking about how cold it is that time of year. You know, it doesn't get that cold that, down here in South Florida. But up there, you know, 50 degrees be. with yeah. some howling wind can get really cold. And then you always expect rain in Florida. So rain and, and cold and wind doesn't really <laughs> add yeah. up. Plus, channel can be pretty rough. Yeah. We, pretty we've, rough had some, we've had some pretty rough nights hunting yeah. in we, North Florida, like staying in a tent and then... You know, it's 27 degrees and somehow it's still raining. Yeah, it's like <laughs> pouring like it does in Florida. Sounds about right. Yeah. So uh, we ended up going that route. He's actually, he was one of the people that got the hunt two times in a row. So this is his second time. He'll be up there as well. Yeah. Nice. But, but yeah, he gave me a lot of realm. And I think um, on that. another uh, friend of ours, um, I think he might have actually been there when you shot yours. Uh does Gary Newper ring a bell? Yep. Yeah, yep. I've was, talked to him multiple times since he, uh, that hunt, actually. He was there the same time as you guys, right? It, he, I think he was there the year I killed mine. I'm not sure. If he was, he was on the other side of the island. Yeah. Actually, no, I'm, I take that back. No, the first time I was there, he was on the other side of the island. They killed it closer to our side of the island so they went ahead and brought it to our side okay. and that's how i that's how i they killed a really really nice yeah they cow. killed a real nice one and velvet but, too and they they killed they they killed it because he shot it. i yeah. think he shot it and then like another guy shot it so they yeah killed one of his buddies i believe it was or something like that no yeah. i think it, I, I think it was just some guy that happened was to be it? hunting okay. there there yeah and they they split the meat down the middle yeah yeah uh, I guess the one first time, person that shot it first gets the head. I think so. I don't really know how they handled that. Yeah, um, I don't know how you. I don't want to be in that situation personally. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, just headshot it. You know. Yeah, you have to deal with it. It's <laughs> gone. Blow it to pieces. Yeah. One uh, thing to take note: uh, if y'all go and it is fairly warm, and I mean even like above fifty, make sure you got plenty of mosquito spray because they the gnats and the mosquitoes can get pretty rough yeah. out there. The first hunt I was on, it was freezing pretty much every night, so. It was pretty much set the whole time without an issue. But the second hunt, when I killed mine, it was actually extremely warm. It was in the 80s the whole time I was there. So, um, yeah, wow. it's something to take note of as well. We'll be chilling in the AC. <laughs> yeah, y'all will be good, yeah. Yeah, I like to run a thermosel usually, but if it's breezy at all, the thermosel does nothing for you. And it seems like yeah, in some places exactly. mosquitoes can fly at the speed of light 
<laughs> so they're not even yeah. worried about the uh, wind. Right. Yeah, right it, it's way. pretty windy on that island. Every time, every time I was there, every day it was it was real windy. So that was the negative about my thermosail. Cause same, I yeah. use thermosail, and it's like you'd see it just barely peek up out of the thermosail and then shoot Gone. off. Yeah. <laughs> behind you, yeah. So is the um, is the wind predictable or is it? typical florida swirling all over the place and you know. it was it was spot on what the weather folks were saying there i think because you're so much out from the mainland yeah. that where you're set up on the islands only so big that you're getting a pretty consistent uh ocean breeze okay yeah. that seems about right so and what, and what way does it, what direction does it usually blow is it coming from the gulf like coming from the south no idea. <laughs> it depends on the weather, what yeah. the temperatures doing on the mainland. And well, you know, because like over here, like we're on the east coast on the south. Like generally speaking, the the winds coming from the east. You go to the west coast of Florida, it's usually coming from the west. So, but I haven't really paid too much attention in what direction the winds blowing. Yeah, I mean, if you got a front coming down too, yeah, you know, that and then it messes everything up. Yeah, yeah. Well, for instance, when I was there, it was coming out north while I was there. So. Okay. So, um, do you have any really uh? exciting plans for this coming season got a lot of good hunts planned out florida and georgia only nine more weeks as of today i will be heading to the georgia mountains to start my bow season off chasing black bear we have like three weeks until we start our season so i know yes it's, you're ever gonna it's, come it's, down this way you know man I've, I've really thought about it multiple times but you know i you see so much online i'm like man there's not really that many deer down there and then i see another post and i'm like man there's a lot of deer down there so there's a lot of deer down here it's you just have to be willing to deal with what you got to do to get to them right um and it really de it depends on where you're hunting too like some some of, of the wmas down here are pretty amazing and then other wmas are tough but right yeah i've seen i've seen how you hunt i think you'd be able to be successful down here yeah, I believe no matter where I'd go, I'd be successful. Just, I mean, I'm confident about it, but, but I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things, man. It's like, man, going down there and starting this early, that would be awesome. I could have the longest hunting season possible. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah. I mean, we start, you know, in our backyard and then, and then we yeah. kind of, we move north as the season goes and, you know, we're getting started in three weeks and we'll, I'll be having my last deer hunts going to be in February. I'll be doing a zone B hunt and, um, yep. but yeah. And then up in the panhandle, it's like the same, same time yeah, as zone B. Got that, so. that Alabama rut. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll actually be hunting up there a little bit too. Cause I got a, mm -hmm. a quota up there. So, cool. um, yeah. so yeah, my That's season's going to be, seven months six seven that's awesome, months that's yeah. awesome. and that, that's great about florida is like if you're willing to travel yeah. you can hunt the rut the entire season yeah, yeah. if yeah, you're we, willing to travel you can hunt the entire rut the whole season yeah we we talked to uh we were on the hunt stand podcast a while back and and they were like blown away at the concept of being able to hunt rut from yeah. july all the way through you know february right. and stuff so. it's so hard for people to believe that you know deer up in the panhandle right now don't even have nubs meanwhile right. we have deer down here that are literally hard horn chasing yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's, even just saying it man being yeah. a florida native in here and it's just crazy yeah. yeah dude you should come down here man that'd be cool yeah i thought about coming down hunting some pythons i'd like to get in on that a little bit yeah a lot of people always ask about the python thing i've caught a couple of them but i don't know it doesn't really tickle my fancy too much 
It's okay. like you just drive along, you know, like a levee road and you're like, oh, there's a python. And then everybody jumps out of the car and you grab it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more uh, collecting. It's like it's like collecting Pokemon. Still have look at it. I wouldn't know much about that. <laughs> I just collect, I just collect deer meat for the freezer. That's all I collect. Yeah. But um. Anyway, I I mean I I think I've covered every question that I had about the sandbar hunt. You got anything else? Yeah. You want to yeah. Ask? And the whitetail was a nice bonus. I really like your tactics. I think that was really neat. And then, um, I like how you approached the the whole sandbar situation. You know, getting getting up high and dry where you can see a lot of visibility because that's that's a lot like how I hunt. Yeah, I'm not the kind of person I will hunt the thicket and get into the nasty stuff but I prefer if I have a lot of visibility and, and I can see across either a um, palmetto head or something and I can make moves according to what the animals are doing that's mm -hmm. that's for me it's an ideal situation so you know I'm going to take that into consideration when I go on this island and take a look yeah man there's a, there's a lot of uh pine trees out there way more way more than a lot of people uh tend to think and ma majority of the island really is pine trees other than your little low bottom areas like if you look on google maps you'll be able to tell real easy when you go from the pines to the little swamp bottoms. yeah yeah i've been looking at that and um it's it's been a little bit challenging seeing the elevation of these trees because usually i can gauge a tree's height on the map by looking at the shadow yeah. Um, but the pictures on there aren't very shadowy, so it's been it's been a little bit challenging. Um, but that's good. I like that you can get up high and, and cover vast areas. Yeah, like man. That. When I killed mine, I guesstimating how high I was, I was probably every bit of sixty feet. Easy. Sixty Easy. feet. Yeah, man. I love getting as high as I can, and in certain instances, yeah. I like getting as high I as like I can. I like getting hot up there as well, but like sixty feet. <laughs> Are you using a climber or what do you uh Yeah, I used I use a climber. So when I on that hunt in particular, when I set my climber up, it was sitting at like an angle like this at the base. And by the time you got up, it was <laughs> it was like that because it changed so much because of how high I got. But nice. uh yeah, if I was in a saddle, I've never hunted in saddle, but if I was, I would not be getting sixty feet. I mean you're way uh, safer. You, you will. You will. You're way safer in a saddle uh, as far as staying attached from the ground up. The only dip, the only challenge you're gonna run into is getting to 60 feet. For one, you need to bring 30 sticks with you, and and then you need 120 feet of rope um, if you're gonna climb a rope. And then throwing a ball that high with a string attached to it is yeah. pretty difficult. I think I've I've gotten pretty high, like pretty probably 45 or close to 50 ish. That the other yeah. time. He has, he's got a video that I'm like climbing forever. Getting I'm like, I'm, I'm like street. watching him from like a hundred yards away and he's just like <laughs> going forever. Yeah, I got way up there, but um, that's good. I like that. I like, I like hunting as high as possible. Well, like, yeah, man. You know, one of the things that we, you know, with the whole saddle thing, like we, we've gone through a lot of different climbing methods and the most popular climbing method is using sticks. And we've just never been attracted to the sticks because by the time you get as high as we want to be with sticks, you, you're carrying in more weight than you had with a tree stand. A climber. Um, but like I, I started doing the one stick thing. So you're climbing the whole time with one stick. So you can go as high as you want. And I, I could go up 60 feet if I wanted to. Yeah, um, I do the same thing. So you should you should look into it. I think you'd like it, honestly. I've Just, been considering it, especially this season, because there's some places that I hunted last year, I'm gonna hunt again this year, that the climber just was not was not feasible for a lot of like live oaks. So yeah. it was 
big big bases and a lot of just limbs shooting out all over the place so it just it wasn't good for it but you just try and come down to our workshop in two two three weeks on the 22nd saying you posted that yeah it's like um it's gonna be in uh where's it gonna be uh bassinger oh yeah bassinger so it's a it's it's a little south of orlando it's kind of a long drive for you but there's a it's a good event um and we're gonna be raffling off like a ton of gear like thousands of dollars of gear um, I got you. so there's a good chance that you you leave with a setup um yeah so but uh but yeah there's usually a ton of people um probably a lot of your subscribers will be there too so um, yeah if you want to come through <clears throat> for sure man but um anyway on, on the sandbar thing though uh i just wanted to say that i i liked what you said about looking in places where not everybody's gonna be because like, yeah, everybody's like, yeah, they, they live in the swamp and there's tons of them in the swamp. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of them in the swamp. Um, but just looking at the map, like we're, we're seeing, you know, you can kind of see the trails and stuff. And there's yeah. there's other places aside from that big swamp where you can clearly see that there's animals moving around in there. And some of those trails are too big to be a deer, um, you know, a, a white-tailed deer. Um, yeah. So our approach was like, we're gonna start in all the places that are not the big swamp. Um, and then if, you know, if we can't find anything there, then we'll just end up where everybody else was at. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. like, I mean, it's it's that whole, like looking for the overlooked spots thing, mm -hmm. you know? And, yeah. and frankly, like, if you are camping on that west side, the one that's like right next to the channel, um, yeah. Yeah. then the swamp is super far away. Um, right. So I, like, in terms of pressure, like, did you find that, like, it sounds like you camped on the west side of the island? Like, not yeah, the, by the, the swamp? Yeah, the one close, closest to the uh, uh, mainland there. Yeah. So was the, what was the pressure like? Like, how many people were you contending with when you were hunting on that side? Uh, don't quote me exactly, but I want to say it was about 80 people both times that I went on my side of the island. And, and how, many, how many on the other? Uh, I'm not sure, because I know both times not all 200 people showed up. Right. Yeah, that's what, that's what um, my buddy told me. He told me that, let's say 130 people showed up, 100 were on that side and 30 people were on the, yeah. the other side. Yeah, the main channel, the west side where I was at, that was the least popular yeah. side. It seems to so. be the routine. Yeah. But you, so you said there was 80 people on that side, though? Yeah, it was just if, under 100, yeah. That's like, I mean, if, if like 160 people showed up, that's like 50-50. Mm. So. I mean, he says 80, it could have been yeah. 50, you know, yeah. more or less. Just yeah. Can't yeah. quote him on the number. I don't know. I, exactly. I, guess, yeah. I guess I'm just wondering, like, how spread out people get or if, if it's, it's really It's like, going to be real spread out, man, because you are going to have people that go 100 yards out of camp, and that's just where they go. And yeah. that's where they hunt. Then you're going to have people that literally pedal their bikes from the west camp all the way to the other side of the island. Yeah. Like every single time I was there, there was people going all the way to the other side of the island. But it's just, it's big enough that even though you're going to have, let's just say you have 150 people there, which is a good estimate that you're probably, you know, somewhere around that. Yeah. The amount of land you have there, even though you say it's only 12,000 acres, everybody's going to be spread out just fine i both time i was there i did not have one issue of people being anywhere's like really on top of me other than my second time i went there but i was hunting the spot that was close there's a little hint for y'all that was close to the one of the areas you cannot go in 
um, I believe there's like two or three restricted areas that you're not allowed to go into. I was I by one like, of the. I feel like I know exactly where he's talking about. Oh yeah, you know exactly <laughs> the tree too, probably. Yeah, but I was I was on the edge of it, and there was a guy inside the restricted area. Huh. So in the areas oh. you leave, well, the areas, you're filming him, and you're like, "This is the I line." I did. Yeah, you, you saw it. Yeah, that I was filming the guy. So I'm like, "What is he doing?" Because the whole morning he's just walking back and forth, walking around different trees, and I'm like. What is this guy doing? And when I see my sound bar, I'm looking at him when I'm thinking, oh, here we go. It's going to be a party now. But yeah, yeah he he, uh, he was way far in an area he was not supposed to be at. And they make it, make it very clear with the brochure they give you when you get there and during the hunt meeting, do not go in these areas. And clear as day, he went in there. And also, just while I'm thinking about it, make sure y'all get in early as well. And like earlier than you think you should, just for the simple fact, it's varying on how far in you go it'll take you a lot longer to get in there than you might think. Yeah, when you're saying earlier, like three in the morning, four in the mornings? So both times I was there, I got up at three o'clock. You got up out of bed at three? Got up at bed at three and started going down. That way I wasn't rushing by any means. Yeah. And also just in case I had somebody coming up on me, which I didn't, but just in case I did, I'd be in there way early enough I could, you know, shine my light to them and let yeah. them know I was in there. Yeah, and, and you have the people that come in a little late might be bumping stuff in your direction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. They might still be on their feet at that time. Yeah. And be careful with uh, how you anchor your boat. Are you going to be like anchoring <laughs> in the channel or are you going to be anchoring like on a dock or something? Yeah, we, we've heard about this. Um, I had a lot of people tell us about it, but yeah, like turn the boat so it's facing into the waves and, and anchor, you know, with multiple anchors and stuff. So, right. Or, um, yeah. So, matter of fact, how I did mine both times, I've ended up parking my boat. Whenever I went to go unload, I parked as close as I could to the camp. But when I went to just park the boat to keep it out, I put it actually as far away from other boats I could and only anchored the front. So that way, as the tides changed, mm -hmm. the boat would go ahead and spin with it, and it wasn't feeling restricted on both ends. Right. So what, what kind of boat, like how big of a boat did you have? I've got, I've got a 17 Mako Pro Skiff. Okay. So... Yeah, we're going to have a 17-foot Key West, so... Oh, yeah, perfect, yeah. But there, there was a lot of boats that got flipped both time I was there. So. Yeah. Yeah, we've been warned about that, so we're... Uh, yeah, so the, the, the way that um, we were told is pretty much you want to throw your anchor away from the beach and then pull the back of the boat as close to the island as possible. You may have to get in the water and stuff. But at least yep. so that the incoming waves aren't swamping the back of the boat yeah. type of situation. But did you take like a uh, paddle board or did you just jump in the water and walk? I was going to bring I just waders. jumped in the water. I, I didn't have waders. I just, at that time, I wasn't, I didn't really care. So I, I just got in about knee deep and then I went ahead and yeah. started walking in. So, but also keep an eye for the tides, like the heights of the tide as well, not just direction of where it starts flowing. Yeah. But the height, I think that's what messed up a lot of people. They were there whenever it was high tide. And so they anchored up and then the tide dropped and the boat leaned over and then tide started coming back in and then filled the boat up. Yeah. Matter of fact, the first time I was there, very first night at like 11 o'clock at night, woke up to a guy just screaming, screaming, cussing, just hollering, and his boat was completely submerged. Oh my God. Yep. He had to be, he actually had to go uh, get towed out on, or not towed out, well, the boat had to get towed out, but he left on the, uh, uh, I think the ferry, I think is what they called it. He had yeah. to leave on that because that was it. Yeah, well, I think, I think a lot of people just, don't know how to 
anchor a boat properly. Yeah, I mean, if you're not water smart with it, you don't have a lot of experience yeah. with it, then I can definitely understand that. So, yeah, yeah, most people, when you go out on a boat, you go out, you have your day, and then you come back in, and you're not typically yeah. staying overnight with yeah. your boat in the water. And that's yeah. not tied up to a dock. Well, so, and you're right. usually on the boat, so if something does start getting fishy, yeah. you can readjust. But, yeah, I, I definitely hate sleeping knowing my boat is floating in the water, like, Oh man, it was it, the first time I was there was horrible. I was getting up all throughout the night just checking to make yeah, sure. Like, is it still there? Yeah, yeah, I've had those is. nights before. It's not fun. So it is not. Um, no, you know, take take the extra time to make sure it's anchored right, and then you know, hundred percent. Then it's all good. But yeah, I think well, uh, we covered everything. Actually, I I gotta ask you. This is completely off topic, but um, I'm curious what your uh, what your thoughts are on this whole CWD thing? Because that's that's in your area. Yeah, I actually made a video. Did you uh, see that one I made no. about that? No, I yeah, I made it. a video. I think like a day after I got the the notification about uh-huh. it coming out. But man, I'm I'm quite concerned about it. I've talked to several people, and they're kind of just brushing it off their shoulders. On oh, it's just nothing. It's just you know, it was just one case. There's probably more all over the state they don't know about. And it's like, yeah, that that's kind of the concerning thing. This could be all, all throughout the state. We don't know because this doe that they got out in uh, Holmes County, they actually got that in January, and just now are yeah. finding out. Well, so yeah, it takes a while to run those samples. Exactly. Yeah, because originally I was thinking because I didn't know at the time, just like everybody else, when the information just came out, I thought this was really recent. Like just a week ago, they got it and they got it tested and found out so they could jump right on it. But I mean, we're talking, you know, seven months now and just now finding out this thing has CWD. So I'm quite concerned how it's going to affect the deer in our state. I mean, our state doesn't have, you know, a bountiful amount of deer as some other states do. You know, we got enough to go around, but you're talking about other states that have CWD that have high deer populations. They're not seeing any type of a dent of any sort. But there's been states also that have had 40 plus percent of their deer population get wiped out because of CWD. If you talk about 40% in Florida, you're talking a major hit to our, to the hunters. Well, one thing you got to keep in mind with like, um, with, uh, you know, with virus, well, it's not really a virus, it's a prion, but just with, um, with a pandemic, the higher the density of the population, the more it'll spread. And so I think one of the things that's actually going to make it difficult for CWD to spread through Florida is the fact that we have a low deer density. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a good chance that it's not going to spread as widely as it has in other states um but up in the panhandle we have larger numbers of deer so it's it could be more of a problem up there um but i do know that fwc is sort of taking a systematic approach to it and they're they're sampling um at different distances from the the first case to try to identify if it's spread and then if they do find that it's been spread, I guess they're going to try to um, eradicate locally to, um, you know, to prevent it from spreading further. But I, I guess time yeah, will tell if, if, if it's too late for that. You know, it's hard to tell at this stage. So, yeah, I, I personally, I mean, every, you know, they they go about it how they need to and how they feel. Personally, I'm not really the fan of the whole eradication thing, not simply because the fact they're killing a bunch of deer just to yeah. make sure a virus doesn't spread, but I just don't foresee that being the best approach of 
really knocking this thing down like they're thinking to do. I'm all for having check stations. I think that'd be a great idea for just in general throughout the whole state have check stations just so we can keep up with harvest numbers, kind of like how they started finally yeah. doing the harvest reporting. So now they actually have an idea how many of deer and turkey are getting killed and not just taking a guesstimate. Yeah. If they did this with, say, within 150 miles of Holmes County, you bring a deer, when you kill it that day, you got to bring it to station. That could solve a lot of the issues right there and getting a sense of whether it's spreading or not. Right. And I think a lot of states require you to send in, like, you don't have to bring it to a station, but you right. you have to send in a sample. Yes. You know, and yes. You, they'll send out like a sample jar or whatever you put a piece of meat in there that's cut from a certain spot on the deer and you send that in and and basically right. you like process your deer vacuum seal it and you have to like label it so you know which deer it is and then you can't yeah. eat it until you get you know your uh your results back so they right. definitely need to figure out how to how to approach it but there's there's a lot of people that are not a fan of the eradication approach because it arguably they're hasn't been any successful cases of that like some people say there hasn't been some people say there has kind of depends on how you look at it like yeah. you, you could argue that it has slowed down the spread um but eventually it you know it spreads anyway um because right. there's multiple points of introduction but um but i think you know the the other approach is just like okay it's here now we're just gonna have to deal with it you know that's right that's um, how I feel about it. And it's like, I don't think it's going any worse. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah, I, I think it's here to stay. Um, and eventually it's going to make its way through the state. We could slow that down, but right. at the end of the day, I think we're just going to have to figure out a way to deal with this. Um, uh, but since you're, you know, really close to where it is, I kind of wanted to get your two cents on it. Yeah. It's very concerning, very concerning thing when I found out how close it really was to me. Okay, so he's close to Holmes County. Take notes. But how close? How close is close? There's so many questions in the one answer. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think we're ready to wrap up here. Um, yeah, man. We appreciate your time and your uh, insight on all this stuff. I think absolutely, uh, man. Definitely left with some good expectations yeah. and um, methods of approach for this uh, this hunt. Do you have any? Uh, wise words of wisdom that you want to leave our listeners with you get one you get one sentence like one know, sentence to like, give advice well, like what is it gonna be you know i'm gonna put it out there for for the uh even the experience but also for the new people because on my channel in particular i've been getting a lot of comments of new hunters especially from up north coming down mm -hmm. which you know Hey, but got North people coming down to Florida now and they're not used to this type of hunt and they think it's going to be just like how it was there. And of course, just people in general that are new starting out. All I can say is there's two ways to find it out. You have the hard way you can find out in regards to deer hunting and you have the harder way to find out. There's no easy way to find this out and become a better hunter other than just finding out your mistakes. That's the best way I became the hunter that I am for all species that I chase after, which is pretty much every single one on the list. And uh, don't give up. That's the biggest thing I can tell. Don't don't give up because I truly do understand how you can get discouraged very easily yeah. in doing this, especially public land and not knowing what in the world you're really doing. You're just kind of going out there and just YouTube videos and looking up online and just trying to look for stuff. But your your experience is going to be your best teacher. So, so uh 
don't take your quote failures as making you need to stop. Just keep getting after it, keep grinding, stay disciplined in it, and uh, don't get lazy. Because if you're lazy, I don't care how long you're doing it, you ain't gonna have no success. So yeah. stay disciplined, get after it, and don't give up with it. Just spend more time in the woods as much as you can. And I, I do want to add to that that eventually your success will come more often as you start to figure it out. So yes, yes. We, I mean and we're always saying if. You, if you're not if you're not killing, you're learning. You know that's right. Every time every time yeah. you fail, it is it is a learning experience. So. Yeah. I learn every every season, man. I learn. And just a quick thing here: this turkey season, prime example. One thing that I haven't tried that I tried this year. I tagged out in the first week turkey season this year, and uh, the second turkey I killed, particular area I was hunting, extreme heavy pressure. I wasn't even going to go there, but I thought, I know the turkeys are there even though it gets hunted so hard. this Just this one block in particular gets hit so hard because the turkeys are there. I'm going to try it anyways. And I did not make one call to this turkey. I got as close as I could to him hearing him on the roost. I didn't owl hoot. I didn't crow call. I stayed like I just wasn't even there. I got within about 100 yards of where he was, where I knew there was plenty of thicket between us still. Sat down, and all I used for my call was scratching leaves. That was the first time I've ever tried that method, just because I was always, you know, I, I like to hear them gobble, so I want to make as much call as I can. But just scratching those leaves, not making one call on the call itself, is what killed that turkey. And for those that have seen the video, you know he comes straight in, gobbling, strutting. Best show I've had turkey hunting in my life of, of turkey hunting, and that's where I filled my second tag. But, but yeah, man, you just, you just got to stay after it and try, try different things. Keep trying different things till it works. Yep. That's right. Yep. That's, a, that's a pretty cool uh, tactic. And I've heard of um, people doing something similar and just pretty much you'll hear all the other hunters all around you calling and calling and that mm -hmm. turkey's firing off, but he's taking that line of silence yep. and, yep. you know, just staying away from those guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that scratching, that scratching, all it replicate with a hand was a yeah. hand feeding. That's all it was. And that's all it took mm -hmm. for him to come in. But I, uh, just people don't need to look at the guys that are killing all the time and think, well, man, they're killing all the time when they go out there. I'm doing something wrong. I just don't know what I'm doing. That's well, even I, if I you think, don't, don't know what you're doing, you, you still got to go out and figure it out. I think an important thing to mention there, too, though, is that like, I mean, you could probably you you'd probably do the same thing. Like there's hunts where you go out there and they're just boring. You don't see anything. Yeah. It's like I'm not going to make a video out of this. Nobody wants to watch that. And so people see a lot of successful hunts on our channels you know yours and ours and people are always yep. like oh my god you guys go out there and you guys are always being successful like i wish i was yep. as good a hunter as you and it's like man if you knew how many hunts we didn't see anything you right. know like you'd probably feel a lot more confident about the way that it's going for them and so yep. i always try to emphasize that but, um, yeah, that, that's one thing with the uh, the hunting public that they do very well is even the hunts they don't even see stuff they're still making good, good content to just watch of them being in the woods. And that's certain that I'm going to try to do this year as well. I'm going to try to change up some stuff to where even on the hunts, I'm not killing stuff. I still can make some content good enough and encourage the same to y'all to where yeah. uh, you get enough of that B-roll where you can still yeah. show your hunt and make it make it entertaining for the viewer because the viewers are what makes it. You know what I mean? So yeah. those, those comments, I'm sure y'all can attest those comments to where people are, you know, just saying how much of an inspiration channels been and such i mean that when i see stuff like that man or get those private messages i can't get around to all the messages that i get but i, I promise people i do see them and yeah. i'm sure just like y'all when you see them it just makes you feel real good that's that the reason we keep doing it honestly yeah heck it's not for the money 
um all right man well uh again thanks for coming on um and to everybody listening go check out his youtube channel again it's dream team tv um do you have an instagram people can check you out on there I do, but I don't. I hate Instagram, man. Okay. Don't don't find him on Instagram. Just go find him on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Dream Team TV on YouTube, or you can type in youtubecom slash TV Pope, which is my last name, and it'll take you directly to the channel. Cool. All right, man. Well, I hope you have an awesome season, and uh, I might be hitting you up a little bit uh, as we yeah, start man. getting closer to this uh, this sandbar hunt. I might pick your brain a little bit more. But yeah, for sure. And if y'all ever decide you want to come to Georgia on a bear hunt, or at least want to get some info on it, give me a shout. I'm down. I'm yeah. coming. When are we going? Sign me up. I definitely want to go do that uh, one of these days. In fact, yeah, I actually I have a buddy of mine up in Georgia, and I'm thinking about going to hunt up there. And I think he's in an area where there's a lot of bears. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Something, something. You, it's it's an experience that is unexplained. It's better than the sandbar. I can assure you. Well, we'll have to, maybe we can talk about that on another podcast. Yeah, there you go. There All you right, go. man. Well, have a good night, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon, man. All right, guys. Take All care. Right. Pleasure meeting you. All right, later. <laughs>